You are listening to John DeYard's Life Spa, your premier source for health news in Ayurveda, where modern science meets ancient wisdom. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John DeYard, and welcome to our Life Spa podcast, where we try to prove the ancient medical wisdom of Ayurveda with modern science. And uh, today I want to talk about the combination of immunity and detoxification. I've been getting a lot of questions from folks saying, you know, should I detox during this time when the immune system needs to be supported or maybe when the immune system is compromised? And um, the answer to that is uh, it depends. And it really depends on the aggressive nature of the detox itself. Um, So many cleanses are sort of knock down, drag out endurance events that can definitely weaken you and compromise you. And I wouldn't suggest to do that. However, the Ayurvedic approach was really all about a very kind and gentle approach to detox. And you know, the question that you always have to ask is if I need to do a detox and I just go in there and shovel out a bunch of toxicants that build up in my body, um, then how did they get there and how do I keep them from coming back? And this is really the question that Ayurveda has answered, you know, thousands of years ago. They understood that, that the digestive system is directly linked to your ability to detoxify. And if you don't have a really good, strong digestive system, you're not going to be able to detoxify. So they made darn sure that if you're going to do a detox, you want to make sure that you start out by rebooting digestive strength. You reboot the function of the whole lymphatic system, which carries your immune system, which is your garbage can detoxification system. We support the strength of what's called the Jothar Agni, the Agni that supports digestive fire in your stomach and the enzymatic processes and detox processes in your liver. All that has to be working first, liver function, digestive function, the protective barriers, your intestinal lining, your respiratory lining have to be functional, balanced for you to support a healthy detox. Otherwise, you shovel out all the impurities and then as soon as you stop, the environmental pollutants, which are a lot uh, in 2019, according to the EPA, the uh, American environment, we dumped 70 million tons of toxicants and chemicals and pollutants into the atmosphere. That's just the atmosphere. That's not including the, the water that we drink, the foods that we eat, and the soil that our foods come from. So that's just 70 million tons of chemicals in 2019. So to say that we don't need to detox, um, is sort of uh, kind of interesting because we live in such a toxic environment. And Ayurveda talked about detoxification slash strengthening your digestive detox systems thousands of years ago when the air was probably a whole lot cleaner than it is today. So so if you're thinking about a detox, I think the first thing to, to think about is like, you know, how do you feel? You know, if you have food intolerances, for example. I wrote my book, Eat Wheat, right? I was all about saying, hey, you know what? If you can't eat wheat, and very controversial issue, I know, but wheat is just a hard to digest protein. You know, dairy, a hard to digest protein. Grains, nuts, seeds, they have lectins on them. They're all hard to digest. So a lot of us have become intolerant to certain foods. So the logical thing to do, and I I agree, 
is that if you don't feel good with eating a certain food, then stop eating it and you'll feel better, which I completely agree with. And I wrote that in my book, Eat Wheat. The question, though, the more important question is, why am I not able to tolerate wheat? You know, and, and many have made the case that the wheat is different than it was when we were younger and young kids and stuff like that. Not really. Um, you know, I've written a lot of articles that show that there really isn't that much difference. And I went on and on in my book. That's not the topic of this discussion. I've written many articles about that as well, if you want to dig into the whole wheat thing. But the point is, is that it's not just wheat. It's now lectins, it's nuts, it's beans, it's seeds, it's legumes. Anything with an anti-nutrient, which is hard to digest, is something that we just take out of the diet um, because it makes us feel bad. So what if we then understood why <clears throat> we feel bad eating those foods and fix the reason why. It went upstream and fixed the cause as opposed to just taking the wheat out of your diet. Because the vast majority of the population does eat, you know, rice and beans, nuts and seeds, wheat and grains. I mean, this is, you know, in a lot of ways, how we survived as a population for, you know, thousands upon thousands of years by eating grains. Even before we were an agricultural society, the Africa was just just ripe and loaded with grasses, wheat and barley, and they found gluten in the teeth of ancient humans three and a half million years ago. So to say that we never ate grains until we actually started, you know, growing them ourselves, why would you grow something in such mass if you weren't eating it on a regular basis, right? I mean, you know, they, they found out they were baking bread, new studies, 16,000 years ago, way before way before they actually started growing their own grain, suggesting that they really liked bread and they therefore, you know, figured out a way to grow more grain so they could have bread more often. So, and we have an enzyme, by the way, uh, called amylase that we, that we, we um, acquired or, or, or expressed actually, um, a couple of million years ago, an enzyme specifically for starches like grains and, and, and other starches. Uh, a deficiency in amylase is called, uh, or Baker's asthma is, a deficient, is, a, is, a, is caused by a deficiency in the enzyme called amylase. Amylase increases in your body and mind to this day in a seasonal circadian way every fall, which would happens to be when the grains are harvested. So we are circadian beings. We live in sync with the natural cycles. Our enzymes for grains come, come, you know, become, you know, more uh, abundant inside of us, produced inside of us when the grains are harvested in the fall and less in the spring. When, if you look around the spring, right after winter, not a lot of grain, zero grain, very little starch whatsoever. So in fact, our bugs, our microbes change from, you know, fiber eating bugs in the, uh, in the spring to starch eating bugs in the fall. And this is all part of the beautiful rhythms of nature. So to just say we can't eat these things makes me a little bit nutty. Because, and the reason why is because if you can't digest them, these harder to digest foods, how are you gonna digest, detoxify the 70 million tons, tons of toxic chemicals dumped into our atmosphere in 2019 in America? And the, around the world, nine out of 10 people around the world live in a, a toxic environment, way below the standards that the World Health Organization provides for us. So we do live in a toxic environment. Uh, nine million people, according to the World Health Organization, die every year from air pollution. 
it's a real thing. People die from it. People get sick from it. It's a very, very real deal. And um, so we have, to, we have to look at how we can help our body detoxify. And one of your measurements, your signposts of whether you can do it or not, is your ability to, to digest well. So if you can't, if you have food intolerances, then we might be thinking, hmm, I need to reboot and strengthen my digestive system. You know, if I bloat or swell or get brain fog or rashes on my skin or achy joints, that's usually a drain issue, a lymphatic issue. Ayurveda calls it rasa, a, a rasa detox issue or a lymph issue. And, and the Ayurveda cleanses support strengthening of the digestive organs, strengthening of the lymph, detoxifying the lymphatic system. Also, if you bloat or have constipation or loose bowels or irritable bowel or pain or or issues within your in your abdomen, then those are caused by an irritated intestinal lining. And Ayurveda was all about that. Before you go and do some detox and pull out these impurities out of your system, make sure you've supported and healed and repaired the environment of your intestinal lining. So supports a microbiome. And that microbiome uh, is the governor of your gut immunity, which is 70% of your entire body's immune response, which is now new science linked to a, a, a microbiome in your lungs or in your respiratory tract. And there's a bi-directional pathway between your gut immunity and your lung immunity. There's bugs in both of those places. They used to think that your lungs were sterile and there were no bugs there. Well, now they know that there's an entire microbiome there. And in fact, there's a microbiome everywhere you have skin. You have skin on the outside and we have bugs on our skin, as you know and we have bugs on the inside. Uh, the respiratory skin, there's a microbiome. The intestinal tract is a microbiome. Um, the other areas uh, are your, your blood-brain barrier was an epithelial bar barrier. Still trying to figure out if there's bugs there or not. More than likely there is. Um, so these are your barriers, your intestinal skin, your respiratory skin, um, your outer skin, and of course your blood-brain barrier. These are all really important protective areas for your immune system. And Ayurveda was all about make sure that that skin is healthy to support a healthy microbiome so you are protected from viruses or you know an immune event or immune attackers or invaders of some sort. Studies show that when you actually uh, support a healthy integrity of your intestinal skin or respiratory skin, that they act as natural protections, protectors or antidotes for the infiltration of viruses into the, into the tissues. They don't kill viruses or eradicate viruses or anything like that. They're not going to kill COVID or cure COVID, anything like that. But the whole point of Ayurveda was prevention. Treat the individual, not the disease. So we're not treating any diseases here. We're just treating the individual in a preventative manner and making sure that the signposts, what, which would be like you have food intolerances, your joints ache, you wake up tired, lethargic, bloated, you gain weight easily, you have uh, you know, skin rashes, you don't sleep well, you're exhausted, you're tired, you finish your day um, exhausted and tired, you wake up feeling tired, you have no energy, uh, brain fog, uh, lack of mental clarity. All these are indicators that you're not moving the waste out as well as you could. And your body's using alternative ways of moving the waste out. Using your skin as an exit ramp for those impurities. Using your lymphatic system, which is a, which is a, uh, really a garbage can, because if you don't digest your proteins, your gluten, 
your dairy, your lectins, as well as you could, or your fats, all the environmental pollutants, all 70 billion, million of tens of them in the American environment in 2019, 70 million tons are mostly fat soluble, which require your liver to make bile and your bile to emulsify those fats. <clears throat> so if that coordination <clears throat> of your stomach <clears throat> making acid and your liver making bile isn't adequate, you're not gonna break down the proteins because you need stomach acid for that. You're not gonna break down the environmental pollutants and fats because you need bile for that. <clears throat> and as a result of that, those proteins and fats will go undigested into your intestinal tract. They will be too big to get into your bloodstream. This is hard science. I wrote a whole ebook on the lymphatic system with over 100 scientific references. You can look it up, read it, it's for free, and you can learn about the lymphatic system. I'm sure to shocked, you know, when I, when I, you know, I, when I teach medical doctors, and I did that for years when I was with Deepak Chopra for many years, they would always come up to me and ask me about the lymphatic system because in Ayurveda, that's what I would teach very much about the lymph because it's one of the first systems we treat is the drains, make sure that the drains are moving and effective. Um, and it turns out that, that uh, the lymphatic system uh, is, has to do with, it's the garbage can. It carries your entire immune system. It is a delivery system for broken down good fats into every cell of your body for baseline energy. So if you don't clean out your lymphatic system, which is the garbage can, which has probably not been emptied in a very long time because of many of the environmental pollutants that we're exposed to and the lack of good digestion. Remember, if you don't digest well and you have some of the symptoms that I mentioned, you're probably not breaking those proteins and fats down the way you should. They will go undigested into your intestinal tract. They'll be too big to get into your blood and feed you. They will end up in your lymphatic system, which is the lion's share of which is lining your entire intestinal tract. As a matter of fact, the mesentery lymph around your gut is now considered its own organ. It's so important. They used to think it was just a bunch of stuff that held your intestines in place. And now we know it's a powerful immune organ linked to longevity, in fact. And if that's congested, you're going to bloat. You're going to get gas. And if that lymph system starts to become congested systemically, the impurities will come out through what's called the skin-associated lymph out of your skin. It'll go into your brain lymphatics, newly discovered, called the lymphatic system, which drains three pounds of toxic chemicals and plaque out of your head every year while you sleep. So if you don't break down the wheat and the gluten very well, then those undigested gluten molecules are going to find their way into the lymph. And what's amazing to me is that the studies show that there's an enzyme for gluten called DPP-4, which is specifically designed to break down gluten. And guess where they found it? Not only in the intestinal tract, but also in the lymphatic system around the belly. Suggesting that when we've been eating wheat for all these years, some of that gluten's probably gonna get into the lymphatic system because it is a hard to digest protein. But the lymph has its own enzymes to break it down. So it didn't become an issue, a bloating, skin rash, brain fog issue. But when you overwhelm the system, with gluten, which we did. We ate bread every day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, in a highly processed, indigestible form. And let me tell you why that became so bad, the highly processed form. Because they started putting oil in the bread to make it last forever and stay squishy forever. It was wonderful, wonder bread. And no one understood how it could stay so squishy because the old-fashioned bread got hard in the day. And it would get hard and it would mold. I, I had a, was doing a, a consultation a couple of days ago and I, and, I, and I was doing it with a young 12-year-old boy and I asked him, 
um, his parents were there. I said, have you ever seen moldy bread? And he was like, no. And I'm going like, okay, this is interesting, right? Because I grew up, I'm old, I'm 64. Moldy bread was a thing back in the day. You know, you would always check the bread when you were young, um, uh, to when I was really young, because it could easily become moldy. And then they figured out how to process vegetable oils. And that's what replaced cholesterol, by the way, when they tore saturated fats, rather. And they said saturated fats were the cause of heart disease. So they gave us highly processed, bleach, boiled, deodorized vegetable oils, which were so highly processed and cooked to 450 degrees and bleached and all this. There were nothing in there that a bug would ever eat. So you put it in a loaf of bread. The loaf of bread now has a shelf life forever. Never goes bad. The bugs won't eat it. You eat it. The bugs inside of you won't eat it. And the oils are what bugs eat. They eat fatty acids. So now we gave them this oil they wanted nothing to do with. And where does that oil go? Right to your liver, right to your gallbladder. Number one elective abdominal surgery in America today is a gallbladder removal surgery. So now, if your gallbladder isn't producing enough bile to emulsify the fats, um, the good guys, to break them down into small enough monoglyceride and triglyceride forms to be delivered as energy to every cell of your body, you're going to get tired. Your immune system is going to get overwhelmed because your limb system is carrying your immune system. That's going to get stuck in traffic and it's going to have a compromising immune effect on your body, right? So it would be really important for us to make sure that we have a functional lymphatic system. In Ayurveda, the rasa datu, the lymph, is the first system we treat. We start out with the rasa and then we treat the blood, which is the liver. In America, we check your blood, measure your blood, evaluate your blood, give you a blood test. And if something's wrong in the blood, we try to get that thing out of the blood. Like if cholesterol's high, we try to do something to get the cholesterol out of the blood. For Ayurveda, we're like, we'd evaluate the lymphatic system and the drains. And if the drains are clogged, logically, things, this is an overgeneralization, but things can back up into the blood <clears throat> and cause now blood issues. So we try to treat the faucets when the drains are clogged, which if you ever had a clogged toilet, doesn't work. So it doesn't make any sense that we, that, that we, that we just go there and just detox the body. We have to make sure your detox pathways are functional. And your lymphatic system, which lines your intestinal tract, is the very first system that we address in an Ayurvedic detoxification. I mean, that's very, very important. The, um, so, so if you have undigested proteins from a lack of stomach acid and undigested fats from a lack of bioflow, from all the processed you know, vegetable oils that they put to preserve foods that have congested our liver and gallbladder, causing compromised bioflow, you end up having these proteins and fats going into the garbage can, overwhelming the lymphatic system, then you have impurities coming out through your skin as skin rashes, building up in your joints as joint aches, building up in your brain, causing brain fog. You know, these are all the things that my dear friend, David Perlmutter, who wrote the book, The Brain Grain, I love him, he's a dear friend, I, I, I have high respect for him. He did write a book called Grain Brain. I did debate him twice. Uh, my mother said I won the first debate. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, uh, but we debated whether wheat was the cause of, you know, all the world's problems or, you know, Alzheimer's and diabetes, which he made a pretty, pretty compelling case for. Except in my book, Eat Wheat, I have 604 scientific references citing the opposite, that gluten and wheat lowers blood sugar, 
reduces the risk of Alzheimer's in study after study after study. Now, highly processed Wonder Bread more than likely will give you a host of problems because that is an indigestible food because of the processed nature of the oils that clog your liver and your gallbladder. When your liver and gallbladder get congested, you don't make any bile. And bile, you got to know about bile. Bile is the kingpin of your digestive strength. Think of it as a Pac-Man that gobbles up toxins, right? And if that Pac-Man is congested, which it is, you're going to have a situation where uh, all the toxins in your liver, and your liver's, all the blood goes to your liver, and your liver's got to clean it all up. And the bile's gobbling, gobbling, gobbling. Then when you eat some fats, the bile goes into your intestinal tract, and it cleans all your little villi out and scrubs your intestinal tract so you have a good, healthy environment for a good, healthy microbiome, which is good, healthy gut immunity, right? But if you don't have bile, you don't have any of that. So the fats go undigested because you don't have any bile to emulsify them. Good fats and the 70 million tons of toxic environmental pollutants dumped in the environment, atmosphere only, in 2019. So that's not good. So they ended up going undigested into your lymph, and they get stored in your tissues and your fat, which is hard science, around your belly, give you extra belly fat. They go into your tissues, come out through your skin, they build up in your brain, hard science. The glymphatic system gets congested, and when the glymph system gets congested, you end up with hard science again, linked to cognitive decline, fatigue, uh, anxiety, mood-related issues, uh, inflammation, infection, and even autoimmune concerns, which is when your brain master computer is so congested with glymph, glymphatic, lymphatic congestive issues that it doesn't know how many, it's a computer, right? And it's, com and it's congested. It doesn't know how many fire trucks to send to the fire on Broadway. And interestingly, that's something that I found in a study buried in the medical journals, not in medical practice yet, but Ayurveda talked about that thousands of years ago, that there is a mechanism for autoimmune concerns. There is a mechanism for an overzealous immune response, which we see sometimes when our immune system is compromised, which creates real problems, right? So, so, so but we don't talk about that in, in medical science, and, and, but when you have the body, when the body's healthy and you have good bioflow, and the intestinal tract villi have been scrubbed, and the microbiome is healthy, and the, and the, and the lining of your intestinal line, wall is healthy, you have gut immunity, which is important. And, and those foods, like the lectins and the beans and the nuts and the seeds that are and the grains, that are hard to digest. There's something called the uh, hygiene hypothesis, or hemesis, which means that these harder-to-digest foods act as irritants to stimulate an immune response in your gut called gut immunity, which is 70% of your immune response. So if you don't have the ability to digest those foods without feeling really bad, you're not gonna have the irritants to stimulate a gut immunity and all of a sudden your immune system becomes compromised, which is why not only do we need to heal, repair your intestinal lining to create an environment for good bugs and good lymphatic flow off your intestinal tract, we need to go upstream and support the upper digestive system as well which is why this is what we do in our cleanses. We have three cleanses, the Colorado cleanse, which is a 14-day digestive reset and, 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 and uh, lymphatic cleanse and detox. We have our four-day short-home cleanse, which is, a, which is four days, powerful digestive reset and detox, but just four days, really easy, actually. And that's a free ebook. Anybody can download it. And then we have our, our um, 
Kayakalpa cleanse, which is five days, based on some of the longevity science, to match the to absolutely guarantee the benefits of autophagy and stem cell activation that you get when you go on when you when you enter into a calorie restricted program, which was identical to the original Kayakalpa that is now backed by um, some really amazing longevity science. But all of those cleanses always start with digestive reset, lymphatic support liver function support. And once all that's going, then we pull the impurities out of the fat cells where they store in your belly, store in your tissues, store you know, in your legs, in your hips, store in your brain. This is where they store and they need to be taken out of there. But first you wanna make sure that once you start pulling that stuff out, that you have a facility to move them out of your body completely, cleanly, right? So. Let's go back to the bile for a second. Bile is an emulsifier, emulsifier of fat, good fat and bad fat. If the bile is congested because of all the processed cooked vegetables that are used to preserve our foods that we can't digest, then the, and that's called bile sludge. It's a medical term. It's a real thing. All of a sudden, your stomach is going to need some of that bile to neutralize the acid that your stomach needs to make to break down gluten or lectins or any of those kinds of things, right? So it's going to need that. If you um, don't have good adequate bile flow, your stomach will not be willing to make as much acid as it could or should. And over time, you either are going to get heartburn where your stomach will just hold on to the food and the acid waiting for the bile to turn the green light on so it, the food can enter the small intestine and emulsify or neutralize all that acid and emulsify the fats. So first we get heartburn. Ayurveda talked about this thousands of years ago. They talked about it as udvarta, udvartsana. Udvartsana means upward moving digestion, which means your digestive system is going up instead of down. And that can put pressure on your stomach and your diaphragm, and it can compromise your diaphragm's ability to contract fully and relax fully. And this enters a whole nother thing uh, where your, your breathing uh, ability becomes compromised. Your stomach can literally get stuck to your diaphragm, herniate through your diaphragm called the hiatal hernia and cause your diaphragm not to function in an adequate way. One study with elite athletes showed that 50% of athletes didn't have a diaphragm that was contracting completely and relaxing fully. They don't have it, probably you and I don't have it either, which is why I'm a huge fan of Ayurvedic breathing techniques, which have now been studied and proven in Western science. As a matter of fact, every single hospital on the planet uses a technique called inspiratory muscle training for heart failure, lung failure, and heartburn and hiatal hernia. Well, unfortunately, they use Prilosec for that. Um, but in the journals, studies after studies after studies show this exact breathing technique has been shown to support healthy upper digestion and break that, that tendency for your stomach to push up against the diaphragm. Why did that happen? Because of liver and gallbladder congestion or bile sludge. Why did that happen? Processed foods, oils we can't digest. Why did that happen? Well, that's another story. But we also have constipation issues and intestinal issues that will, that will bring impurities back through what's called the enteric cycle from your intestinal tract back to your liver. And that adds to the congestion of your liver and gallbladder, not to mention the foods. And that's kind of how they get to your liver, right? You eat these garbagey wonder bread foods that have oil in them. 
and they go into your intestinal tract and then they find their way back through the enteric cycle back to your liver and and or through your lymph it's all roads lead to your liver eventually and then you end up with a congested bile sludgy liver <clears throat> which is why I had I've written so many articles and they're all for free you know at lifespot.com about how to reboot your digestion how to detoxify your liver we have a free ebook on the lymph we have a free ebook on safe liver cleansing so all those things are free so you can kind of hunt down um, but today I'm talking more about you know how all this relates to your immune system how all this supports immune function and Ayurveda is very very clear that when you have a weak digestive system and studies show that when you have weak digestive system weak stomach acid weak bile flow that's directly linked to compromised immunity when you have poor lymphatic flow because the weak upper digestion let undigested proteins and fats go into your lymph and clog up your lymphatic system which carries your immune system so that's not going to be really your robust immune response that you're looking for so that's really important to support lymphatic flow but where the rubber meets the road right what we haven't talked about yet is the intestinal lining the intestinal skin how important that is and like I said there's a bi-directional pathway between the intestinal skin integrity and the respiratory skin integrity those two guys go together they both have microbiomes and those are the first lines of defense for any type of immune event and uh, as you know a virus will find its way into the body through those epithelial cells in both your gut and in your respiratory tract so how does Ayurveda protect against that well in the Ayurvedic cleanses all the cleanses whether we're doing the Kaya Kalpa cleanse that we have which is also a free ebook our short home cleanse which is four days of free ebook as well and our Colorado cleanse our big 14-day Colorado cleanse detox that we do as a group twice a year where I get to hold your hand and I do lectures and uh, we have question and answer sessions where it's very live and interactive with me during the entire process um, uh, and you, but you also a lot of my cleansers are they've done it so many we've been doing this for decades now it's very popular people will just do it on their own they, we call that the anytime cleanse um, but it's a 14-day digestive reset lymph cleanse and a detox for the toxins buried and stored in your fat cells um, so let's talk about the intestinal skin and the and the lining of your intestinal tract and how uh, how important how important that is um, the 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 skin of your intestinal tract and I would say all the epithelial layers your respiratory tract as well are very um, particular in other words the bugs that live in your gut your microbiomes they have to be in a very specific kind of environment the skin of your intestinal lining can't be too dry can't be too wet it's got to be I always say like the three little bears just right if you have uh, mucus in your stool you clearly have way more mucus which is than you need and that's because your intestinal tract has been irritated possibly by undigested proteins and fats acting as irritants in the intestinal tract irritating the lining which is mucous membranes they produce mucus which can give you a looser stool and eventually if it becomes excessive mucus in your stool which means your little villi are flattened down no absorption no detox everything goes goes railroading right back to your liver through the through kind of the, the default enteric cycle back to your liver congests your liver your liver goes whoa my gosh I just dumped all that stuff in the intestinal tract to be processed and all of a sudden it's all back 
into my liver and now I got to figure out what to do with it and many times the liver will just say I'm just going to put it into the bloodstream let it circulate for a while put it in a holding pattern I can't handle it and that only find that only forces your blood to look for dumping grounds for those impurities as well it only adds to the problem right so the intestinal tract has to be just right so you have to evaluate your bowel movements I wrote an article that was fairly fun uh, called the perfect poop and it was just all about being aware of your bowel function, you know, and whether you have a looser stool or mucus in your stool, your frequency is just right. I have so many patients, I ask them how, they, how their bowels go, and they, and they go, well, you know, I go once every couple of days, or I go, you know, sometimes once a week. A lot of folks don't know that we should at least go one complete bowel move within the first hour of waking up, and that should be what we should do. And if you have a couple of more bowel movements, based on your body type, pitotypes will have more frequent stools. That's okay, but, but you know, never missing a day and, and never you know, really more than three um, is really where you wanna be. And otherwise you could have, you, your intestinal skin could be too wet, too mucusy, therefore too frequent, or too dry, stressed out, and, 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 uh, and therefore constipated. <clears throat> so that has to get balanced, right? So how does Ayurveda do that? Well, all the cleanses, the short home cleanse uh, ebook, the Kalpa ebook, and our Colorado Cleanse 14 day cleanse, which is a whole book you get. It's called the Colorado Cleanse book slash seasonal uh, cookbook. We've now added to it as an entire seasonal cookbook associated with that book now, which is really neat. And it's all self explanatory, tells you how to do it, even tells you all the herbs that you need. And of course, you can use our herbs, but it also tells you what herbs you can get if you want to just get them locally. So you can do it that way as well. Um, but it, but it guides you step-by-step step through this whole, this whole process. And um, so um, all of them use uh, ghee and kitchari as the primary tools for the Ayurvedic detox. Now the Colorado cleanse, we have four days of digestive resetting and limb cleansing and liver support from up front before you start seven days of the ghee and the kitchari just so you know. So that just makes it so much more powerful because we've prepared and detoxified. The other cleanses, we use a little bit less ghee um, and we support the digestion along the way. Um, but the ideal kind of complete full-blown reset is the, no doubt the Colorado cleanse, which is our, 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 our most popular cleanse you know, by far. But the four-day is great. People love it. Um, they do it all regularly on a, on a regular basis and it's super easy to do. But let me talk to you about um, Let's talk about um, well, let's talk about the ghee first. I think that's important. Um, ghee is clarified butter. You take um, milk and you boil off all the milk solids, and then you end up with uh, this the oil of the dairy product, which is basically ghee, which is the highest source of butyric acid on the planet. I think it's very interesting that uh, that they figured out a way to make it. Number one. And to this day, it's the highest source of butyric acid. And what is that? Well, butyric acid is a fatty acid that your intestinal tract thrives on. Um, your intestinal cells, your colon cells, eat and thrive on butyric acid. Your gut immunity, 70% of your immune response, supported by butyric acid. Uh, butyric acid feeds your microbiome, so all your bugs eat those fats. It just you know it just the benefits of what happens in your intestinal tract goes on and on. So it supports a healthy intestinal lining. 
There's bugs in your gut called Clostridium butyricum and others that literally make ghee for a living in your intestinal tract. So we have bugs in our gut that make butyric acid. Um, so they figured out Ayurvedically to make the ghee and give us, you know, uh, more of that butyric acid, particularly, you know, it's a great cooking oil, but, but as a cleansing agent, it's really important for the health and integrity of your cells. Making sure it's always grass-fed. Um, grass-fed will increase the production of the CLA, conjugated linoleic acid, another fatty acid that your bugs eat and thrive on, help you support weight loss and all that, by 500 times. So the grass-fed ghee has 500 times more conjugated linoleic acid than grain-fed ghee would have, or grain-fed anything, you know, quite frankly. Um, so that's, you know, really important to get grass-fed. And I'm, I'm, you know, really pleased with, uh, we have a new partner um, in, uh, for our ghee, which comes from New England, where the pastures are thick and rich. And I recently did a, did a uh, podcast or a newsletter and a video on evaluating pastures in Colorado, in Norway, and in Europe, and took pictures of them and videos of them, talked to farmers in, in those areas, and they're all about the pasture. And they say there's 50 different types of grasses on their pasture that the cows would eat to give them microbial diversity, nutritional diversity, everything you need. And when you look here in Colorado and from pretty much from here to the, to the West Coast, it's sort of deserty. And the, the grasses are more of a monoculture of grass where they get sort of one or two kind of species of grass where in New England and Europe and in Norway, places like that, they get 50 species of grass. And that creates a really powerful grass-fed situation. And also I was told by one um, ghee manufacturer that there's no such thing as 100% grass-fed because everywhere in America, they have to supplement with grain during the winter months, everywhere in America. Um, our new partners, Farm True Ghee, they actually only buy the ghee or the dairy that they make into ghee. Um, they only, they only um, buy it during the spring and the summer months and then they store it and stockpile it. So all the ghee that's there is 100% grass-fed, which might be the only 100% commercial grass-fed ghee in America. Because everywhere else, I was told by a, by a dairy supplier, ghee manufacturer, that there's no such thing as 100%. You know, it doesn't have to be 100% to be called grass-fed. But isn't it neat to know that you can get 100% grass-fed ghee when you're doing a cleanse using our farm true ghee? Pretty cool. I'm so excited about that. Um, so, so the ghee also is a fat, right? And it's going to force your gallbladder to contract. So when you take the cleanse, you do a little bit of ghee, a little bit more ghee, a little more ghee, a little more ghee. Each morning you flush the gallbladder to contract, flush the gallbladder to contract. And what does that do? It increases bile. And bile, like I said, is a Pac-Man. And it gets congested because of bile sludge. And it can't be delivered into your intestinal tract to emulsify the fats get rid of the toxins, deliver the good fats as energy, and also buffer or neutralize the acid in your stomach. That's a problem, and fat gets congested. And what your stomach will do over time, if you just don't have the bile available, it'll just start making less stomach acid because you made less bile. And then all of a sudden, your ability to digest anything hard, wheat, dairy, nuts, seeds, grains, legumes, lectins, anything like that, your body will just go, I can't eat those things, so you just, you just so obviously, logically, we'll stop eating them. But those are the foods that have the irritants that create the 
the, the, your gut immunity. And that is absolutely hard science as well. You need things in your intestinal tract to stimulate an immune response. You know, this doesn't just happen. Think about hunter-gatherers. They, you know, did a lot of trial and error to get themselves through those times. And that's what caused and created gut immunity, robust gut immunity. And without that, we're in trouble. And we already see signs of that. People who are gluten-free compared to people who are eating wheat. People who are gluten-free have four times as much mercury in their blood as people who are, gluten, who are eating wheat. They have significantly uh, less good bugs and more bad bugs. And their killer T cell response, which is a measure of immune strength, is significantly compromised compared to people who are eating wheat. And these are the studies that are just beginning to come in, thinking that, oh yeah, being grain-free or being gluten-free and all that is such a good thing. Yeah, if you feel bad, and definitely if you're celiac, but don't just kick the can down the road. Don't eat X, Y, and Z and think you solved your problem. As soon as you eat that food again, you feel bad. You have an immune you know, vulnerability there. And that immune vulnerability, well, you know, nowadays we're, we're, we're looking down and going, yeah, maybe it would have been smarter for me to really reboot my digestive system. And I can't tell you how many folks we have, you know, uh, you know, emailing me constantly saying, God, I couldn't eat bread before. Now I can eat bread. Thank you so much because their digestive system is stronger. And I don't have any vested interest in anybody eating wheat. I, I, I'm not, you know, that's not where what I'm, I don't think wheat's the magic food, but it is a, it is a very common hard to digest food that is commonly problematic with people, which indicates a vulnerability in your gut immunity and your immune strength, and the science is there to back that up. So that's why we wanna make sure that we can detoxify uh, that we detoxify. But I'm not talking about even the detox yet, you know. Um, we're talking about still preparing your body to be able to detox. That's the beauty of Ayurveda. And as your digestion gets stronger, your liver is now pumping out bile, the bile being the Pac-Man gobbling up the impurities, the ghee is actually considered to be a chelator where it slowly goes into your tissues and pulls those impurities out of your fat cells and pulls them out of your, out of your body. And studies show that seven days of taking ghee during a seven-day cleanse like we have in our Colorado cleanse has shown to reduce the pesticide load in your tissues by 56% according to the studies. And you can read about that on my website. Those studies have been well done and published. Powerful, right? That, and that's called lipophilic mediated detoxification, which means that fats, lipophilic, like fats. So you put ghee in there, and it's gonna be attracted to other fats, pesticides, and all the 70 million tons of environmental pollutants are mostly fat soluble. They hook on, they chelate, they, they stick to each other because they, they like each other. And then they're carried into the intestinal tract and flushed out of your intestinal tract during the latter part of the caudal cleanse Kayakalpa cleanse or the uh, or the short home cleanse, which is pretty neat, right? Um, so that so that's the really short description of what ghee does and why it's so important as part of a cleanse because it does the chelating part, does the bioflow cleaning out part, does the butyric acid heal your gut intestinal skin part, and then there's the kitchery, kitchery which is a combination of split yellow mung beans and um, long grain basmati rice or long grain rice. Um, you know, in, in the old days, they, somebody would take the time to hand dehusk the, the grains of rice and take time to split the bean, the mung bean, and pull the husk off of it 
and and um, simply and split the split the yellow the, the yellow mung beans, and they found that that um, in study and then they would cook that for hours with herbs, ginger, cumin, coriander, fennel, cardamom, turmeric, all these spices to help support the digestive strength. You know, and in the Colorado cleanse, we we just in the first four days and throughout the entire cleanse, we give you Ayurvedic herbs to strengthen your digestive fire, detoxify your liver, your gallbladder, your pancreatic ducts, your bile ducts, to heal, repair your intestinal lining, to decongest your lymphatic system, and support the health and integrity of your intestinal skin. So we have Ayurvedic herbs that go with the cleanse to do all that, and then just the mechanics of the cleanse itself continues that process, which is, I think, just really amazing. It really becomes comprehensive and comprehensive, and it creates a real long-lasting effect, you know, and if you eat healthy after the cleanse, you don't go back to where you were, which is really important. So the kitchery is valuable because um, the, the rice is really good. It creates a really balanced protein, the rice and the beans, um, but uh, it's also a mono diet, and a mono diet means you're only eating that food. Now we have different levels because not everybody can just do a mono diet right off the bat. When they do these cleanses, you have to you know, slowly amp up your digestive strength, detox strength before you can do a mono diet. So we have, a, we have the mono diet, the kitchery, then we have a duo diet, kitchery and vegetables, and we have a poly diet, kitchery, vegetables, soup, salad, fruit, anything except fat. So very low fat diet or menu during that period of time, but you have a lot more variety in the poly diet. And then most folks work their way to having digestive and detox strength or taking just the kitchery is no no problem whatsoever. And that's a cool place to be. A good indicator that you have the digestive strength. But a lot of folks can't even do kitchery anymore. They can't even do rice and beans. That's how far off we've gotten. And kitchery, just so you know, was baby food. Still is baby food in India for thousands of years. The mung beans have been shown to be um, really powerful agents. They have a lot of fiber, loaded with fiber. And what fiber does Particularly, uh, the fiber does, it attaches to the bile and takes the bile to the toilet. And remember, bile is your Pac-Man gobbling toxins in your liver, gobbling toxins in your intestinal tract, where your gut immunity is, and then it pulls those, and then, it, then that bile attaches to fiber, and then the fiber takes it to the toilet. If you don't have enough fiber in your diet, up to 94% of that bile, with all the toxins in tow, and this is out of a physiological, physiology textbook, gets reabsorbed back to your liver, dumps all those toxins back into your liver, into your blood. And then that bile, if you don't have enough bile because you've been eating all the garbage fats, and your body will recycle that same bile 17 times from your gut to your, your gut to your liver, from your gut to your liver, 17 times, sort of using the same dirty dishwater 17 times in a row, wondering why I feel terrible, why my eyes look red, my complexion is bad, I feel tired and lethargic. Why do all these things happen to me? Well. Chances are your liver is really congested. You're probably a couple years away from getting it removed. And that's probably why you don't you know, handle wheat and dairy and grains and nuts and seeds and lectins very well. So we just say, let's not eat those foods and my liver is still congested. Because you're still eating a lot of the bad oils. We never really fixed the cause of the problem. So we just pushed it down the road, and, and, and which is good for a while, but not a long-term cure, right? We haven't healed and repaired the intestinal integrity, the gut immunity which is supports you know, a protective layer lining, a barrier, so you don't be dumping all these toxins both into your lymph and into your liver. Um, hope you're, 
you're following me here, but it's really, really important. So the Kitri has so many benefits. It's been shown as a, as a starch, it's also a protein, but as a starch at a 45% lower glucose response than other starches, which is really uh, powerful. The, the, uh, the Kitri has been shown to um, be really um, uh, um, kind of stick to your ribs. It was shown to be to reduce the, the satiety hormone, cholecystokinin, by two times, twofold, it, 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 uh, redu it increases that, that satiety hormone so you feel hungry and satisfied for longer. There's a molecule um, called the um, HMGB1 molecule, which is linked to a cytokine inflammatory response. And mung beans and green tea are one of the only two things that have been shown actually block that inflammatory enzyme, which is the main ingredient in Kitchery, um, which I think is just phenomenal. I mean, the studies of what Kitchery can do, just, they just go on and on and on, the benefits of, uh, of the mung beans and how important they are. Um, and of course, you know, the, uh, the Kitchery and the mung beans, the mung beans are a powerful, um, you know, um, fiber source um, they're also a resistant starch source, so which means that the resistant starch in mung beans go through the digestive system, through the intestinal tract, and then they get into your gut and they feed all your happy bugs in your gut. That's what resistant starch is. So the mung beans provide food for your happy good bugs in your intestinal tract, which is called resistant starch. They find fiber to attach to the bile, take all the bile and toxins to the toilet. They protect your blood sugar. They support the health and regulation of your fats, your good fats. They've been shown to be lipophilic and, and uh, they actually help the body lose weight. And they actually support a healthy regulation of your cholesterol. They did studies with, with mice and they gave them a high fat diet and they gave them mung beans and the, and the mice with a, with a high fat diet, uh, high cholesterol diet and the mung beans had a significantly lower cholesterol than the, than the mice who um, had, uh, didn't have the mung beans. So, so really, really powerful food. And um, again, sort of crazy why people can't even eat rice and beans anymore, where you know, half the world you know, is the main thing that they eat and have been eating for thousands of years. So it's uh, kind of really, really important. So, so, so once you have all the intestinal lining healed, and remember, your lymphatic system starts inside your intestinal tract. So if that intestinal tract isn't is too dry or too wet, not just right, then your lymph system from the get-go is going to be compromised. And from the Ayurvedic perspective, the lymph, it's called the ahara rasa, starts in your digestive system, in your stomach. And it's so amazing. You know, the, the Ayurveda is all about the subtleties. Because they even talked about how your emotional state when you're eating your food will emotionally charge your food. And therefore, if you eat stressed out or eat on the run, they say if you eat standing up, death looks over your shoulder, things like that. And we go, oh, that's just crazy, you know, folklore, it doesn't make any sense. Well, now we know that your microbes feel everything. They feel stress, they feel emotion, they absolutely feel it. And when Ayurveda said we should eat our food in a calm, relaxed way, we should prepare our food in a calm, relaxed way, we should, whoever grows the food, their impressions are on that food, that's all backed by science now. You know, 10 years ago, that was complete ogabuga, crazy talk. But that emotional state, it's called sattva, is what actually supports a healthy microbiome. And we have now good science that shows that if you're relaxed and calm and, and meditating and being peaceful and loving and kind, that changes your gut bugs. And, and the bugs, whether they're in you or on the outside of you, 
will feel it. That's powerful. So that's called your ahara rasa, and that creates your emotional state. state. So Ayurveda says, and maybe some of the science hasn't been completely done yet, um, but Ayurveda's proven to me they were sort of ahead of the research curve a bit. And what they would say was that the emotional impressions that you impart onto the food you eat and they're carried by the microbes into your gut, they become part of your emotional state. And, they, and we now know that the bugs in your gut make you think and, and crave and emote. Uh, we know if you're craving sugar, it's your bugs wanting the sugar. They affect your mood, your stability. The gut, it's a bi-directional pathway between your brain and your gut and your gut and your brain. And, and, and if your gut is out of whack, your, your mood and your emotions will be out of whack. So there's a very strong, very, very strong connection there, which again, you know, is very, very real. So, so our emotional state um, is very much dependent on our digestive state. Ayurveda called toxic emotions mental ama. And those toxic emotions, they said, were stored in the fat and in the brain. And they, those emotions are like pre-recorded stress responses that we store in our fat, in our brain, in case somebody does some dumb thing to you. Again, it happened when you were a young kid. You've got a pre-recorded emotional response to get out of harm's way and save the species, in a way. That's why we have, and remember, it's called tarpaka. It's the rec record or, or the recording or the memory of those emotional traumas. So we don't, you know, you know go into that same cave, you know, again, that the lion chased me out of, right? So we, we always remember those. They're written into the white matter of our brain and they're emotional toxins. Well, Ayurveda cleanses weren't just about, you know, cleaning your toxins from the environment. They're about cleaning the emotional toxins, the mental ama as well, that make us think and do the same dumb stuff again and again. And yep, the short home cleanse, the Colorado cleanse, I even have a whole self-inquiry uh, you know, protocol in the short home cleanse and the Kyokalpa cleanse. Mainly, that cleanse, I really always encourage people to be on retreat, five days, check out and do this. And we have a whole self-inquiry guide in the Kyokalpa cleanse as well. Really, really powerful. Because when you start to burn fat, now, I didn't talk about this, but when you eat the ghee in the morning and then you have a no-fat diet during the day, that ghee that you ate is going to force you to burn the ghee, which is your fat. So if you have a bunch of ghee in the morning, you go into fat burning. If you eat fat during the day, you're going to eat the fat you just burned, you just ate. But if you have no fat in your diet, the body stays in a fat metabolic state the whole day. So the ghee in the morning encourages a fat metabolic activity in the morning that if you eat a no-fat diet in every one of the cleanses, that's the only golden rule about diet, is just don't add any fat. <clears throat> of course, everything has a little bit of fat, but you know, no avocados, no adding olive oil, no you know, more ghee or anything like that, no dairy, anything like that during the, during the day, only in the morning. And then you stay in fat burning all day long. And I've been administering, uh, gosh, this cleanse for pushing 30 years now. I've been giving this ghee cleanse um, since uh, 1987, six actually, um, is when I started administering this cleanse. So how many years is that? Um, a lot. Uh, so I have watched people go through this process and I watch people you know, struggle in that first couple of days until their body is convinced it's okay to go into fat burning. And when you go into fat burning, the fat smooth, some long lasting energy that's stable throughout the day. Our sugar is up and down and up and down and up and down. We're hungry for breakfast, then we crash, then we need a little something at 
10 o'clock and then we crash. We did a little something at lunch. We're always thinking about the next cup of coffee or dark chocolate or a stimulant or in injection of something to get me up throughout the day. Where when you're burning your fat, it's stable throughout the entire day. And when it's stable, that's a parasympathetic dominant non-stress response. And the body starts to release the fat out of the fat cells, you are burning your fat. The body will burn fat when you're calm. When you're stressed, you store fat, burn sugar, right? So we're getting the body into a state now where the body's releasing toxic fat, you know, to all the environmental pollutants, but also the molecules of emotion, the mental ama, the emotional toxins that are stored pre-recorded in your fat cells that are released. And when they're released, it's like they're on the screen and you can see old patterns of behavior. You can watch yourself engage in old mental, emotional, unwanted patterns of behavior that you don't want. And then I guide you through a self-inquiry process while everything's up, right? Where you can begin to see these old emotional patterns and then take transformational action and go through them. And that's, that is clearly in the short home cleanse, absolutely an option. I've worked through the short home cleanse dozens of times. In the Colorado cleanse, you can do very minimal amount of that because I've worked through that cleanse you know, many, many times. Um, and in the Colorado Cleanse, we give you the option to do on, on a, be on a retreat track or kind of the work track. Either way, you get the benefits. The emotional benefits are, are uh, more of the punch of karma, home punch of karma version, really. And then the Kayakalpa, we do suggest that that's a retreat because that's the, that's the cleanse. We're really going after some of those old, deep, stored, unwanted emotions. Um, those are the, the four cleanses. Every one of them is designed to boost immunity. How? Well, if your intestinal lining is healed and repaired, your respiratory lining is healed and repaired, your lymphatic system, which carries your immune system, is healed and repaired, your jathra agni, your stomach fire, liver fire, those two have been shown to support healthy, healthy immune response. And if you don't have that digestive fire in your stomach, that coordination between stomach-making acid, liver-making bile, pancreatic duodenal enzymes being produced, all that upper digestive coordination, if that's not quite right, you're not gonna feel good when you eat certain foods and it's gonna let undigested proteins and fats go into your intestinal tract. And in short order, it'll start to irritate the lining. Now, we have a tennis court's worth of intestinal skin to mess with. So that takes, you know, decades to screw up. But we, and that's why we probably have so much of it because we break it down as we age. But you don't have to break it down. You can repair along the way. Your skin can look really good on the outside because your skin looks really good on the inside. Respiratory skin, intestinal skin. So you don't have to have a tennis court's worth to start with and end up with, you know, you know, uh, you know a knock hockey set. Remember those knock hockey games? Like a tiny little thing, like, you know, a little bit of intestinal lining left, inflammation, irritation, you know, irritable bowel, inflammatory bowel issues. These things don't have to happen if we treat our intestinal tract with kindness and being gentle. And that's the other thing about Ayurveda that I love is we don't clobber it with really harsh herbs to kill X, Y, and Z bacteria which can make you feel better short term, but we've created such an alteration in the environment that all these undesirable bacteria bugs grow back and become more inflammatory. I see that in natural medicine practices where you use these harsh, harsh herbs and extracts. I see it in Western medicine using very strong drugs to kill you know, one type of bacteria when we're, and but we're actually killing thousands of them as opposed to you know, being surgical. There's no way you can be surgical when you're dropping bombs. Now, that said, 
I'm all over using antibiotics and, and Western medicine and, and even natural medicine when you need them, when you really need to get, use these things to, to be really aggressive, um, for sure. But the Ayurvedic approach was, you know, the preventative approach first. Let's try to get the body to do its job first before we try these more aggressive things. And that's where we, that's where Ayurveda stands. Treat the individual who has the imbalance, not their disease, and see if that, the body can take care of business. If not, then you can move on to plan B and plan C, you know, you know more aggressive herbal support and maybe more uh, Western medicine if need be. Definitely save your life. Definitely don't let these things go to such an extent that you have problems and you haven't addressed them. Being anti-Western medicine is a dangerous road to hoe. You never ever want to think the Western medicine is bad, hospitals are bad, doctors are bad, their medicines are bad. They save lives. You know, what's lacking in the Western medicine is the focus on the person as opposed to only the focus on the disease. And that's where I think Ayurveda is a perfect blend because it supports that, hey, this is the individual. They haven't been able to digest wheat. They eat greasy fried food, they feel sick for a week. They get heartburn. These things can be fixed naturally with foods, diet, and lifestyle. And we support that. The benefit of having good, healthy bioflow for your immune response for so many systems of your body is, is unbelievable. Because in Ayurveda, every organ, organ system is connected. You know, Western medicine sort of believes that, but they, treatment is mostly isolated. And that's where I think we provide a great complement to Western medicine and even, even naturopathic medicine as well. It's a complement because one, we help you do the, get the job done for yourself and others are sort of doing the job for you. But with regard to immunity and detox, the answer is absolutely yes. It's very important to detox because you don't want the toxic load in your tissues, your fat, your brain. And number two, you must prepare the body. You prepare the body, prepare the digestive and detox pathways before you do the detox. And I don't know of another detox system that does that. Ayurveda is thousands of years old, time tested. They've been doing it for a thousand years because it's worked. You don't do something for thousands of years if it didn't work or it made people sick or was a problem. So that's why I'm such a big fan of Ayurvedic detox because it's digestive reset, lymphatic cleanse, intestinal healing, and then pull the impurities out of the fat cells and then, and then create a lifestyle so it doesn't have to happen again. All right, so I hope that helps for you. I've written uh, some articles that are attached to this video. You can read more about how to go about do that. You can definitely read about our Colorado cleanse and our other cleanse, the short home cleanse, and our, and our Kaya Kalpa cleanse. Those are both ebooks. They're free. You can download them right now for free. Read up on them, how to do it. Super free. That's the Kaya Kalpa and the short home cleanse ebooks. And then the Colorado cleanse, like I said, is a, uh, is a book that you can buy with a seasonal cookbook attached that tells you how to do it all by yourself. Or you can do the anytime Colorado cleanse with us uh, or the group cleanse with us and with my guidance where I, where I hold your hand and guide you and answer your questions. We do that by phone and, and uh, you know, teleconference calls throughout the cleanse to make sure that you feel really comfortable about what you're doing and, and if you have any questions along the way. Okay, well, thank you all for listening uh, and we'll talk to you all next time. I'm Dr. John Duyard.